What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because if you don't take control of your time, life is going to pass you by in a hurry. This week, we're taking a brief break from our regular case study style interviews to tackle this topic of time. This is a common struggle for entrepreneurs and side hustlers alike. So I want to present a 10 step process for making and optimizing time for your business inspired by Side Hustle Show guests. First up, you got to want it. Almost by definition, we make time for what's most important to us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it, right? This is Sa L from episode 359 on the driving why behind his business effort. What kept me going was my fear. I was afraid to stay where I was. That's the biggest thing for me. I'm one of those people where if I start getting afraid to stay where I am, that fear is scarier to me than the fear of trying to get somewhere else. That alone just drove me 100% to say, hey, no stopping. If I could sit up for 16 hours and my whole day, I spoke to one person and I sold them a $35 life insurance policy that they may or may not get approved for, if I could do that, I could sit up and write content all day. There's no problem. When we spoke, Saul was doing 13 to 15 grand a month from 6,000 visitors to the site. Not a ton of traffic, all things considered. So obviously some incredible results there from Saul. But the line that stands out to me was, I was afraid to stay where I was. I think that is a super powerful driver. And at some point, there needs to be a force, either internal or external, to get over the inertia of doing the same thing and hoping for or expecting different results. Mitch Davis put it this way in episode 324. Number one tip is you got to do something. Otherwise, tomorrow, the next day, and the next month, and the next year is going to be the same. That's a line I refer back to quite a bit. You got to do something or tomorrow is going to be the same. And when you find that reality unacceptable, like Shane Sams did, you have no choice but to take action and do something about it. Long story short, I found out my son was being mistreated in a daycare. He was being abused. They were locking him in a bathroom for hours at a time. And and the day that I needed to take off work to deal with this, my boss told me that I needed to handle my personal problems after work. And, and that's what inspired me and moved me to go work for myself. And I promised myself that I would never be in that situation again. I would control every second, every minute of my life. Someday, somehow, it starts as a side hustle, but it ended up being more. As a parent, that's just a terrifying thought, but it illustrates how motivating a bad situation can be to get out of. If things in your life are pretty good, relatively speaking, you got to find another powerful why to get going. And oftentimes that starts with a vision of what you want your future life to look like. And more on that in just a second. But first, some housekeeping stuff. This episode, we're covering a 10-step process to make time for your side hustle. You'll find notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash time. As a little listener bonus, I put together a downloadable time tracking template that you can use along with my 10 favorite productivity tools that I use on a daily basis. Once again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash time or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. So step one was determining your why. Why do you want to build a side hustle? What does that mean to you? Step two is to set the vision. Several guests have mentioned the importance of coming up with this vivid vision of what you want your ideal life to look like in three to five years. And those people include Kate Erickson, Jamie Masters, uh, Brian Johnson, 
and a ton more. And if something that, if it keeps coming up, it eventually starts to hit me, right? So I connected with Brian Scudamore, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK in episode 332 at a time when that brand was doing about a million dollars in sales a day. And this was his number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip would be anyone out there who wants to improve their life, improve their business, grow a business, I'd say come up with your vision. What is your painted picture, I call it, of where you're going? Now, I sat down on a dock, my parents' summer cottage, when I was at a million in revenue, and I wrote down on paper, one page double-sided, our painted picture, which said we'd be in the top 30 metros in North America, we'd be the FedEx at junk removal, we'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. All these things and more happened because we had a destination, a clear vision of what that future would look like. So for anyone in life, I think it's what's your painted picture? What does your life look like in three to five years and write it down? And then, of course, the Tim Ferriss twist on that would be, why should that take you five years? What would have to happen to make that a reality in 12 months? For us, for Bryn and I, we kind of created this vision that was a combination of part-time work, part-time travel, a focus on health and family. And one thing that stood out on both of ours was this ability to walk the kids or ride bikes with the kids to school in the morning. And the funny thing was the open loop that that created was that neither of us pictured being in this house in five years. So that's prompted a lot of discussion about where we want to live and what that quote forever home might look like. But that's step two in this process, setting the vision. Step three is to make decisions that support that vision and not sacrifices. Decisions and not sacrifices. Brian Johnson from episode 427 and optimize.me explains. GSP, arguably the greatest MMA fighter, George St. Pierre, right? He was a garbage man when he was a young man. And he decided that he was going to be the best in the world at his craft, mixed martial arts. He told his dad that and his dad laughed. He's like, are you crazy? And he's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the best in the world at fighting, welterweight, whatever. And then he said he needed to make decisions. He didn't make sacrifices. He made decisions. He decided that he wasn't going to go party with his boys anymore because he had to be at the gym training for the first of third times that day, you know, and then he didn't do this and he didn't do that, but those weren't sacrifices. Those were decisions. Pick your favorite hero, look at them. What they have in common is they're masters of the fundamentals. No, this is really good. I love that frame of decisions, not sacrifices, because it certainly can feel like you're giving up something that previously gave you these dopamine rushes. And it feels like, especially, you know, for me, as it relates to food or uh, social media, where it's like, you know, it feels good in the near term to scroll through, see what everybody is, is up to, have that donut, whatever it may be. But then long term, you're like, what was that for? Like, that doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve me where I want to go. So my brother put it this way. Yes, I want that in the moment, but I also want this. Or I want this more. I want this instead. And hopefully that other want is tied to your, your longer term goal. That's step number three. Think decisions, not sacrifices. That little nugget has been top of mind ever since that call with Brian. And it's definitely got me fired up to do better and be better this year. Step number four is to get other stakeholders on board. Most of us don't live in a vacuum. We've got responsibilities to significant others, to family, and it's probably not going to fly if you suddenly disappear without notice. Derek Depker from episode 290 
shared on how you might go about getting buy-in from the other people in your life. Because if it feels to them like it's forced, then a lot of times there's going to be resistance. So as you said, buy-in, how do you get them to want to choose to support this? So to get buy-in, what you want to do is you want to look for what's the mutual goal? What is the highest level thing that everyone in that environment wants? So one of the mistakes, if I'm an entrepreneur and I go, well, I'm doing this for my family, right? Well, maybe what's valuable to the family is they want to spend more time, you know, quality time together. So you got to find the point of agreement and go, okay, well, I'm working on this business for the purpose of having lifestyle freedom. So we can go on these vacations that we want to go on. So we can live in this house that we want to live in. So we can send kids to the school that they want to do or go play on the sports teams that they want to play on and get all the things that they want, right? So the conversation needs to be with the family about what is important to you and for what purpose. So for what purpose are you working on your business or for what purpose do you want to eat healthier or whatever it is, and then find out how that actually supports the same intention and ultimate kind of big picture goals that the other people in that environment have. This is actually really sales because when you talk about buy-in, effective selling is selling them on the benefits of why changing this environment is going to help them reach their goals rather than you just reaching your goals. Maybe you can even get your partner or kids involved in some way. I follow Rob and Melissa from Flea Market Flipper on Instagram, and it's awesome. Now they've got their kids trained to spot deals at the market and at the thrift stores, and they're helping them pack up items for shipping. I mean, our oldest has some on the podcast. He's made a couple podcast cameos, kind of Easter eggs at the end of a couple episodes, which is just a little way you know, to get him involved with dad's work. But super important to get the important people in your life to see your vision and the work required to get there. That's step number four. Step number five is to figure out where your time is going now. I mean, we all have the same time, right? The same 24 hours in the day. It's kind of cliche. And sure, some of us have jobs that demand more hours. We've got longer commutes. We've got bigger families to take care of. We have other commitments that we've made But there's a poster on the wall of our house that says, everything changed the day he figured out there was exactly enough time for the important things in his life. Now, I'm as guilty as anyone of playing the time card as an excuse, as in, I didn't have enough time. There's not enough time. If only there were more hours in the day. What I've tried to train myself to say instead is the more honest, but maybe more brutal, I prioritized something else. There's a saying you can tell someone's priorities by looking at their calendar, and I would challenge you to literally write down where your hours are going. Do it for a week. I think you might be surprised by the gaps in your day. Tammy Smith, who you'll hear from in a moment, called them the cracks in your day. Use an app like A-Time Logger, which was recommended by Steve Scott several years ago, or Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, or you can just use Excel or Google Sheets. I've got a template that you can download at sidehustlenation.com slash time. When I've done this, I've just used Excel, start time, stop time, you know, what I was working on and analyze it at the end of the week, at the end of two weeks. My iPhone sends me a notification every Sunday about my daily average screen time. You want to see a depressing statistic. So my goal is to keep it under an hour or an average of an hour a day. And it almost never is. But you can dive into these reports and you see the hours every week spent staring at your device and you have this immediate sense of whether or not that time was moving you closer to your vision or not. You don't have the time. Look how much time you're spending on your phone right now. 
That is step number five. See where your time is already going today. And next, we're going to look for some of those cracks. You can hear it in the stories from Side Hustle Show guests about finding time to fit their side hustle into their lives. Maybe that's early in the morning, like it was for Tammy Smith in episode 432. I'm an early morning person. I I love to get out before anyone else in my house is up and I'll spend a couple hours working by myself. And then, yeah, then I have nap time and, you know, here and there throughout the day, I'm sending emails, I'm replying to emails. I'm, I just try to find little cracks in my day where I can divvy up my time so that I'm checking all the boxes that I need to, because there's a lot of things to do. And, you know, and on the days where maybe I'm not writing, I might plan to shoot a YouTube video it's a lot. And if you let it, you can feel overwhelmed because there's a lot of things I want to do, but I don't always necessarily get the time. So really just prioritizing what's the most important thing right now, what's going to move the needle the quickest and most efficiently, and then just being super intentional with the time that I do have. I love that line about finding the little cracks in your day. How can you use those to move your business forward? For me, it's helpful to have a really detailed task list. So when one of those cracks presents itself, I know exactly what to do with it. For Nate and Alicia Jackson from episode 399, they fit their Amazon FBA business into the time they had. Every weekend, every vacation, every day off, after school, before school. Yeah, so I mean, again, we were teachers, so we would be at school from like eight to four. Um, I was, hopefully our, our principal is not watching this video, but I was sourcing like during my lunch breaks, if I had a, like a study hall period where I didn't have any students, I was out the door, I was sourcing stuff every day after school. I was sourcing. Usually I would do a big sourcing trip on like a Saturday. Like I'd, I'd go all around, we're from Orlando. So I would do a big like Orlando trip all around the area. Yeah. And then Sunday we, I mean like eight in the morning until midnight, we'd just be packing shipping stuff. It was a lot of work. I kind of look back at that past year and think, oh my gosh, like we were working constantly that mm-hmm. first year. Yeah. And we actually didn't pay ourselves no, anything. No. Like we're doing this for zero money. The entire first year, we were yeah. rolling 100% of the profits back in. So but because yeah. of that, we were able to quit our jobs. Obviously a ton of sweat equity made it happen for Nate and Alicia. For Daniel Throssel from episode 404, this is how he described working his freelance copywriting side hustle into his schedule. And I actually worked on an offshore oil rig, a a gas plant. And so I was at 28 days in a row working from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's when the workday would start and finish, which means I had to be on a bus at like, you know, 4.50 a.m. from the camp and I get back to the camp at 5.30 p.m. And so that is going on for 28 days. So I am in my office. I would be working on these jobs in my lunch break while I'm eating my snack. When I get home, I will be working on copy. It was exhausting. That was definitely the side hustle part of my life. It was full on, but it was something that I really enjoyed. And I think, Nick, when you are doing something you enjoy as your hustle, like you're willing to grind it for a little while and try and build something up. Mornings, middays, weekends, evenings, the cracks in your days. The time is there if you look for it. And more importantly, if you want to find it. A couple tools to share here, one to help you maybe free up some more time in your day, and one that might be helpful to plug into some of those cracks in your day that you might find. First up is our sponsor, FreshBooks. When you're building a business that you care about, that you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day, which, you know, something that I shared 
with Tammy in that episode. It sounds very familiar. If you're the one doing all of your bookkeeping and invoicing on your own, that means you're probably spending some time on work that you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like you and I. I've been a customer for years. This is the all-in-one invoicing and accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 extra hours that you can spend nailing a client pitch, serving your customers, or just practicing your craft. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts about running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team is always available to answer questions. Go ahead, give it a try for free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Just hit up freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get more time back to build the business you love. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Step number seven in how to make time for your side hustle is to identify your highest priority tasks and then break them down into the smallest actionable chunks. And I know when you're just starting out, it's hard to know what is a priority and what's not. And so here's a test for new side hustles. Will the task you're considering generate revenue? And if so, on what time horizon? For larger projects, I find it really helpful to itemize out the smallest actionable steps along the way. One example is I've been working on this book project for the past few months called 1K 100 Ways. You can find more info about it at 1K100ways.com. It features a ton of creative side hustle stories from the community. And the book included subtasks like coming up with the survey questions. What kind of data do I want to collect from the community? Marketing the survey, reviewing the submissions that came back, getting that data into paragraph form, formatting it, editing it, choosing a subtitle, uh, getting the cover design. And now there's a whole host of launch-related tasks that are going to be coming up soon. So it's a common example. Like if you put write book down on your to-do list, it's never going to get done. But if you can break it down into the smallest actionable chunks, I found that to be pretty helpful. But I try and make a habit to write these out to the night before so I know exactly what to tackle and in what order when work time starts. It's, I think it's just far too easy to get sucked into email and get derailed. But I notice when I'm most focused and most effective at moving projects forward, it's when I'm really diligent about completing the tasks I've identified the night before as being the highest priority rather than just being reactive 
to whatever the world throws at me the next day. That was step seven, identifying your highest priority tasks and then breaking them down into the smallest actionable chunks. Step number eight is to schedule it. Schedule those tasks. So far, you've identified those important tasks. You've decided why those are important to you. You've looked at your available time to get it done. But there's another helpful step here, and that's actually scheduling it on your calendar. Here's Whitney Hansen from Money Nerds to explain. Hey there, this is Whitney Hansen from the Money Nerds Podcast, and I am so excited to share my favorite productivity habit that I've been implementing for the past year and have gotten more accomplished in one week than I did in a month before. I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's true. Here's what you do. You start by taking an entire brain dump list of all of the things you need to accomplish this week. Things like pick up the kids from school, go to the gym, work on emails, grading, whatever the heck you need to do, write all of that down and then put an estimated time for how long each of those tasks will take you. Once you do that, then the important thing is to prioritize this. I use my Google Calendar. It literally saves my life. So I will then take all of those tasks and block it off on my Google Calendar. Here's the important piece. If it goes on your calendar, it must be a results-based activity. I can't just put on my calendar right It needs to be right to blog posts. What will you produce during that time? And if you're anything like me, you're probably going to get your time estimates wrong. That's okay. It's a learning process. So the next week when you do this again, you're going to be much better about estimating how long things take. This habit has saved me so much time and energy. I no longer context switch where I'm working on one task and jumping to the other. And I definitely get a lot more accomplished in a short period of time compared to what I did before. It's almost like if you don't schedule it with a concrete time block, you're just wishing for it to happen. When it goes on the calendar, that's a bit more of a commitment to say, not only is this what I'm going to do, but this is when I'm going to do it. Kate Erickson described a similar system in episode 401, which we called the productivity pyramid. I mean, I use my Google Calendar to schedule everything so that any given time that I want, I have a visual representation of what my commitments are. And that's really helpful when it comes to when you're being presented with like an opportunity, an offer, you know, something that sounds too good to be true, or you have a new great idea and you're trying to figure out, okay, can I take this on? Can't I take this on? Having everything scheduled out in my calendar, I feel gives me like a very quick visual representation of of what my next like couple weeks, couple months look like. In addition to that, I use Asana, A-S-A-N-A, to do all of my task tracking and project management. So in addition to having everything blocked out in my Google Calendar, then I'm also on a task level just like really being super specific about the exact thing that I need to accomplish and putting a due date to it, which is really great accountability. I mean, I start off every single morning. The very first thing I do when I get to my computer is open up my Google Calendar and open up my Asana. And that immediately shows me exactly what my day is set up for. I've found myself doing this more and more, and not just for meetings and recordings, but almost for meetings with myself. Like this is the dedicated time to work on this task. And same thing with deadlines, Kate's point about deadlines. All of my deadlines are pretty much self-imposed at this point, but I do find myself, if I give myself a due date to work backwards from, I'm much more likely to get it done. There's something about, uh, you know, putting that date in there that, that really works. So that was step number eight to schedule it. 
Let's say you're feeling good at this point. You've got a process dialed in for your business, for your side hustle. It allows you to work on it and make progress consistently. Step number nine is going to be to reflect on what's working and do more of that. And the converse to that is to figure out what's not working and stop. Rosemary Groner explained it this way in episode 268. You don't have to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. If you spend your time doing the things that make you the most amount of money consistently and you eliminate doing the things that make you less amount of money consistently, your income naturally grows. Like it's almost impossible to fail at this. She went on to explain what that looked like for her blogging business at busybudgeter.com. So I eliminated anything that I wasn't the most important thing for my growth. So I didn't answer all of those spam emails that you get there that are like, hey, can you put this infographic in, in your blog post? Like, no, I didn't even like read them. I didn't answer every blog comment, which is something that pretty much everyone tells you to do. I didn't do all the things that everybody else thought was important. For me, this practice has a few parts. First, I try and do a daily check-in as part of my nightly shutdown routine. I ask myself what I got done that day and compare that to the list that I said the night before were my top priorities. If they match up, great. If they don't, why not? What happened? The next phase in this review process for me are my quarterly progress reports. This is a chance to publicly reflect on what I worked on and the results of those projects. It's a great excuse to review a few times a year what's working in your business and what's not. Other people will call these, you know, after action reports or monthly or quarterly reviews. But the idea is the same. Stop for a second to ask yourself if the hours you're putting in are making any meaningful impact. Because if they're not, that's when it's time to adjust course before you get in any deeper. And finally, I run what I call revenue attribution reports once or twice a year. And this is just a high level analysis of what's driving sales. Like, where is the money coming from? That way you can hopefully pour more fuel on the fire for the channels that are working, and maybe cut back your hours on the projects that aren't as lucrative. And I'll recommend a couple books here. First, uh, James Shramko's Work Less, Make More is a great quick overview that is going to get you thinking about your effective hourly rate and where it makes sense to invest your limited time. The second one is one of my all-time favorites on sales and marketing, and that's Perry Marshall's 80-20 Sales and Marketing. I believe he's still running a promo where you can get the book for a penny plus shipping at sidehustlenation.com slash 8020. There are so many cool examples of the Pareto principle, this idea that 80% of your results come from 20% of your actions and how you can apply that in your business. So that's step number nine, this reflection step. What's working? Do more of that. What's not working? Stop doing that. Step number 10 is where things start to get really fun. Step number 10 is automate, systemize, and delegate. So now you're in full optimization mode, business owner mode, and instead of just trying to figure out where to get a half hour block of time to work on your side hustle, you've already eliminated your non-essential tasks and you're just focusing on the high value stuff. The next thing I look for is automation. Is there a way with the help of technology to get this done automatically through some sort of software tool? Some of the dozens of email filters that I've got set up in Gmail come to mind, or the welcome sequence or subscriber tagging that automatically fire inside of Active Campaign. So I talked about this in my TEDx talk. This was 2014. I feel really old. This was like years and years ago. But I once built this macro in Excel that turned a once tedious daily task into this 
you know, five-second symphony of shifting rows and columns. But take a look at Zapier or Integramat. I still think there's a lot of room for automation to make lives easier in our work and in our interpersonal lives as well. Your next step is creating systems for the tasks that you do on a regular basis. Write down the steps that are involved. Take a screen recording of yourself doing the work. Make a checklist of everything that has to happen. If you eventually want to remove yourself from this process, or even just, you know, maybe a few steps of it, just a part of it, now you've got a recipe that you can use to help train a helper. I kept a lot of systems in my head for far too long, and and honestly still do to a certain extent. But one thing that I'm working on here in step 10 is documenting those systems. First, to reduce mistakes or just forgotten pieces of the process, which I make mistakes all the time, like, oh, I forgot, you know, to do this one little thing. And then second, to better be able to hand those off in the future. So taking the time to document those systems, really important. And that brings me to the next phase, which is delegation. Like, when does it make sense to hire help? My answer has historically been when the pain of inaction becomes too great. Like, how how much does it suck to keep doing this thing? Another telltale sign might be when you find yourself doing necessary but not optimal tasks. These are the things that need to happen to run and grow your business. They survived the elimination stage. They made the cut, right? But perhaps your time is better spent elsewhere. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. Here's Jacques Hopkins describing some of the tasks that were sucking up his time and what he did about it. You know, I was spending a, a lot of time in my email inbox, just a ton of time. And some were support requests from students, 
but most of it is just people going through my email funnel and replying to different parts of my email. They have questions about the course and, you know, it turned into a glorified support request person. And there's that. There was just YouTube comments, getting several YouTube comments on my videos every day. I just, I'm not the type of person that can just ignore those. And just if somebody leaves me a comment somewhere on the internet, I have to reply. People would leave me comments on Twitter and Facebook and all these different places. And I felt like I could hire one person to help me moderate all these things. And that's exactly what I did. And so I have this person that's working for me. And I don't don't even have a great title for her, but she's basically my operations manager is how I like to look at her because without her, like she runs my day-to-day operations now. And her main role is to moderate these comments and help me manage my email inbox. And that is just save me so much time. She's invaluable to my business at this point. Jacques mentioned he connected with this operations manager on Upwork, but there are lots of places to find qualified and talented help. For my most recent hire, I submitted a request through Gina Horky's virtual assistant uh, kind of like matchmaking service. Uh, We also talked to John Jonas and Nate Hirsch from onlinejobs.ph and FreeUp, respectively, back in episode 343 on when and how to make your first virtual hire and begin to build out your team. In episode 312, Sean Marshall presented kind of a unique, call it ladder of hiring that I thought was interesting. Starting with software, that's the automation piece I spoke about, then going to agencies, then to contractors, and then to full-time employees if needed. Here's how he explained it. First use software, if you still need humans, then contract instead of like hiring your own employees. And what I mean by contract is, is a service, like an agency. So before you hire an SEO person, maybe you hire an SEO agency to do the work for you. And the reason why I say that is because, first of all, they're more accountable. They tend to be a bit more accountable. Employees have, they can get relaxed, let's say, over time. It's less work for you because you're not managing them. You're not, they're their own agency. They're basically treating you as if you're a client. And so they work faster, they tend to work better, and then it's less explaining to do on your part. They already know what to do. So if you contract somebody, and let's just use the example, an SEO agency, they know what to do. They just get right to work. So that's why instead of hiring a human that you're going to have to watch and, okay, are they doing it correctly? If you hire a company, an agency, a service, then you know that right out of the gate, they know what they're doing and they're going to they're going to do it well because they want to keep you, especially if it's like a monthly retainer, a monthly recurring on their part. And to be fair, you can make a counter argument to all these points. And that's kind of what makes business fun. Like there's no right answer or best path forward. The best path depends on your unique situation. You know, what you're most excited about, what your goals are. I have gone the agency route to fill a few different roles, including tech help with the website, podcast editing, a PR service is kind of my latest trial. But I've hired a bunch of individual contractors as well. I mean, going the individual route is generally less expensive, not always. And you can find somebody who's maybe a better fit for your exact needs if the you know, off-the-shelf agency package isn't a fit. The drawback is it can take more time to find the right person. So speed of execution, definitely an advantage on the agency front. But there's always room to optimize and improve. And I think it's that sense of progress that's exciting and motivating. I am learning more every day and trying to get better at my craft. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. And if you're in the same boat, I hope you are too. 
Hopefully this conversation on how to make time for your business, how to make time for your side hustle was helpful in some way. To summarize our 10 steps, those were one, figure out your why. Number two, set the vision. Where do you want to go? Number three, frame decisions, not sacrifices. Number four, get other stakeholders on board. Number five, figure out where your time is going right now. Number six, find some time that works for you and it probably is already there. You just got to go out and look for it. Number seven, identify your highest priority tasks. Number eight, schedule those, put those on your calendar. Number nine is the after action report. Reflect on what's working and do more of that and eliminate the stuff that's not working. Number 10 is to automate, systemize, and delegate. Let me know what you think. You'll find the full show notes at sidehustlenation.com slash time, along with links to all the awesome guests that you just heard from. While you're there, make sure to download my time tracking template and 10 favorite productivity tools that I rely on on a daily basis. Once again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash time or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Thanks to everyone who shared their insights for this episode and big thanks to FreshBooks for their support. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.